Welcome to the Luminous Podcast, helping you follow the simple yet profound call of Jesus to go and make disciples. Hi everyone, this is Nick from the Luminous Podcast. This episode you're about to hear is the second half of a roundtable discussion on the authority of a disciple maker from Luke 10 verses 10 to 20. The conversation was a long one, so we divided it into two parts. The discussion began in episode 9, where we looked at how Jesus teaches his followers to deal with rejection, and what in the world he meant when he started pronouncing all the woes on the cities around him. If you haven't listened to episode 9 yet, you may want to in order to get a lay of the land for where we are at in the conversation. If you haven't heard any of our Luke 10 conversations, you can go back to episode 5 to catch up. Here in episode 10, we jump midstream into the second half of our final conversation. We're covering verses 17 to 20 and discuss topics such as good and bad ways to walk in the authority of Jesus, demons, what does Jesus mean when he said the gates of Hades will not prevail against his church, and what the heck was going on when Jesus said he saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So without further ado, here is part two of our conversation on the authority of a disciple maker. Enjoy the podcast. So let's move on to, uh, let's take this topic of authority and move on to the last, uh, last four verses here. 17 to 20. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He said to them, I watched Satan fall like lightning or fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I love that line. Nothing at all will harm you. However, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What catches your attention there? Like what, what, Jamie, what excites you about those verses? I'm excited by the idea of, of like, hey, you have you have power over the enemy. That excites me. That gets me. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I mean, that just gets me all jazzed up. I mean, the correct answer would be, I'm rejoicing that my name is written in heaven. But <laughs> actually, yes, these demons submitting and uh, you get all authority. I mean, yeah, I'd love to feel like I have all authority, but I often don't feel like I have all authority over those kinds of things. I don't see those things in my daily life, but it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, he sent them out and he said, cast out demons and heal people. And they come back rejoicing. I look at it and I say, it worked. <laughs> they come back because right. I'm sure they went out there thinking, oh, my goodness. He actually expects us to do what he did. And huh. but then they come back the other way, just rejoicing over. I can't believe that actually worked. You know, we said in the name of Jesus, be healed. And it happened. So. I, uh, I, I just love that idea that the power of God does work. He makes a difference in people's lives. And these guys experienced it. Um, Jesus just reiterates it with this, hey, I did. I gave you authority and it goes beyond probably what you even imagined. It, yes. And, and I think even that authority goes beyond what we imagine, even when we read these verses right now. Because... Um, in, in one sense, the casting out of a demon is, it is a, a type of healing. 
is a, is spiritual healing in a person's life. Mm-hmm. And healing is, uh, when healing happens, it's, it's the movement of shalom, what we talked about before, like the holistic, um, the holistic peace and full life and wellness that God, that God wants to bring into our life. Healing is a movement of shalom into a person's life. So like a physical healing is a movement of shalom into their body. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, casting out a demon is a movement of shalom into their, into their spiritual life. So, so yes, the casting out of demon is this spiritual healing in a person's life, but, but shalom deals with so much more. It deals with like the person's emotional wellness, relational wellness, financial wellness. Like, so, so we can bring that. I mean, I know Jesus is specifically talking about demons here and and I don't want to like just ignore that but it goes even beyond that to say we have authority to bring peace and shalom um, in many areas of life in, into a person's life because that's that's the that's the healing power of, of God that's the shalom of the kingdom moving into a person's life I mean if I was going to have a superpower that would be the one I would want right well, yeah, bringing that kind of stuff that into people's lives. You have that superpower and, right yeah. now. I do? But, but see, this, <laughs> yeah. this is what's interesting is that we are in love with superheroes that get these superpowers. Mm-hmm. But what we love about them is that they hold those powers. They're theirs. And what's interesting about Christianity is that you don't get that power in you. It's Christ in you right. that does that. So yeah. it's the Holy Spirit working through you. You never get to claim, I did this. Right. Um, right. But you do stand in the authority of who I am in Christ, and I can say, demon be gone yeah. um, in Christ. So it is a superpower, but it's never something I ever really own as much as it is I use the authority of the kingdom that's now here at it's, work. Go ahead. Oh, carry on. I'd like to talk about demons, but carry on. I, well, I was going to say, it's, it's, it's because you walk in Jesus' authority. It is Jesus' power because it's his, it's his authority. We are the sent one. We're the ambassador. Um, and so because we walk in Jesus' authority, we can cast out demons. And it doesn't have to be something scary. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be like an, you know, exorcist moment, like mm-hmm. the, the movie, like, it, you know, in, in the movies. We have the authority to bring and pronounce God's shalom in every area of life and every area of creation. And if the kingdom of God, if shalom is advancing, the enemy's kingdom has to be retreating. And and it brings me to the verse where uh, Peter confesses Christ and and um, and and Jesus says, you know, you know, upon upon this confession, I'm I'm going to I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell. Um, the, the gates of hell won't stand. Like, what's the exact phrase? The gates of hell will not stand against it. The gates of Hades will not stand against it. Okay, um, so... Or prevail against all it. All right. So here's the thing. What, what do, like, a lot of people see this as saying, oh, so if I'm, you know, at the church, the, the, even though hell's attacking the church, the gates of hell will not prevail, right? But think about it for a moment. What does a gate do? A gate's not an offensive weapon. A gate is a defensive weapon. Mm-hmm. And here Jesus is saying the gates of hell, hell or Hades will not prevail. It's, it's, the image is not hell attacking the church. No. The image is the kingdom attacking hell and saying those gates are not going to prevail. They're not going to stand against the, the kingdom advancing because of these people who are, who are coming with the authority 
for the the presence, power, proclamation of the gospel. Like I, we have to flip it around to say, like it bothers me, to be honest, and I, this is a bit of a tangent, but it bothers me when I hear about people uh, being so much like churches being so much on the defensive. Like, oh, we, you know, we're being attacked and we're being this and we're being that. And, Spiritual and, warfare. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've got to hunker down um, in, in our building or whatever, in our community and just kind of like, you know, be insular and protect ourselves. And, and that is not at all what we see going on here in, in, in Luke 10 and in other parts of the scripture. It is about the kingdom advancing and the church advancing, going out and advancing. And in that, of course, they face persecution. But the persecution doesn't stop them, doesn't make them hunker down and go defensive. It's uh, Jesus says, don't worry, it's not going to prevail against you. you can, it's going to cost you everything, could even cost you your life. But the kingdom will continue to advance and demons will be cast out and people will be healed. Um, people will come to know me and find full life in me, an abundant life. I don't know. I'm just yeah. No, he's he's. You're right. He is introducing here the recognition of what is spiritual warfare. That there is, we go to to redeem people. We recognize where are they. Paul says he was commissioned by God to turn people from the power of Satan to the power of God, out of the kingdom of darkness into the into the kingdom of light. So he, he, we are rescuing people when we go out to witness to share our faith we're talking about going to people who are in the enemy's camp who are behind those doors and they've been blinded by the enemy and they need to be released from that prison so we break the doors down we go into the enemy's territory and jesus is right to encourage us understand you have authority understand that when you go in there demons come against you or the spiritual efforts of satan comes against you because he doesn't want to let them go but you go with the authority of Christ and and you redeem those people you lead them out the broken gates and bring them into the kingdom of God so I think there's a there's a picture of the spiritual battle that's going on when we go and share our faith with other people I yeah I or two things that come to mind first of all I would even say rather than you lead them back out the broken gates into the kingdom of God I'd say the kingdom of God pushes through those broken gates and it expands its borders to include the people that sure, are there. Sure, that's not the good one. I like that too. Um, but the other thing is, this is this just came to me. This idea, like this, it's this incredible juxtaposition and tension. So on the one hand, you have, as a follower of Jesus, you have incredible authority, incredible power to go out as an ambassador in the authority of Jesus, and yet Jesus says, "Go out like a lamb." Mm-hmm. So you're 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 holding you're holding the tension of having all this all this authority bestowed upon you and yet you don't go out aggressively in the sense of like a wolf you go out as a lamb like jesus did yeah with like great power but surrendered to god yeah Yeah. and and jesus like yeah of course great power surrendered to god but also um meekly like jesus yeah jesus went well why don't you share the the whole meek gentleness thing uh, yeah, the, I think it's the original Greek word when it says uh, of, of meek. It's, um, it's not like your doormat. It's more like um, what, what I read was it's like a wild horse that has all the strength and power of a wild horse, but it, has, um, it is now surrendered to its mastered master. Right. And so that's what it's I think. It's a Clydesdale horse. But yeah. it's, it's this. Or a stallion. Like it's, a, well, I think it's of a, a Clydesdale horse because they're so powerful. And yet they use that power with gentleness. Yes. And so you have, exactly. So you have this wild stallion 
that maybe becomes a Clydesdale or a powerful war horse or something, it ha hasn't lost any of its strength. It's still just as strong, but it's strength under control. It's strength that's submitted to, yeah. a, to a master. And that's what we go out as, like yeah. people who have incredible, like we probably more than we would ever imagine, more authority, more strength, like where yeah. it says, you know, like you have you have authority and power over over all um, over over all the power of evil evil all over the power of the enemy like that's incredible and yet you go out meekly and humbly like a lamb um, and and you bring this this power so I just I just love that tension of like power and meekness lamb not wolf that's <laughs> again but um, this is so exciting but I feel like. I mean, Christians are not living like this. Like, you don't wake up in the morning thinking and remembering these things. And I feel like they're not walking in this kind of life. So why do you think that is? I, well, first of all, I agree with you. I think a lot of the woes that we have in the church are now directed to ourselves. Woe is us. Woe is me. Because woe to you for not realizing that you can pronounce shalom in the power yeah, of God. But we go out like, woe, you know, um, you know, the, I, you know, this is... I don't know what it is like. Oh, whoa! They you can't read the Bible in in a public school now, or something like that. Or like we 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 do a lot of woes in the sense of like poor us, and I don't think that that reflects what we're reading in Luke ten here. It's not poor us. So I find this really exciting um, about how Christians can ha walk in this power and authority and pronounce shalom on um, lives and change lives and whatnot. Um, but I feel like there's a little bit of danger in just chasing the power and the authority because I grew when how I grew up. I grew up in a uh, family, and uh, it was all about chasing this power and authority and the experience and all that. And I think that can lead to some kind of instability in a Christian. Sometimes I feel like um, the focus needs to be being rooted in Christ and abiding in Him and keeping your focus on Jesus. And with that comes all this power and authority. And I think if you miss that part and all you are is seeking the power and authority, things can get a little unstable and unbalanced. Yeah, um, because I'd say if, if we're pursuing Jesus, um, he comes with all those things, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, I think that's why Jesus said uh, to uh, re rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah. So stay grounded. This isn't power for power's sake. This is because you're going and doing things, um, and it needs to be rooted to the task. The authority is on its own, not something you're messing with. But as you try to reach to lost people, you need to know that authority goes with you. Right. Yeah. And, and that's you what you're chasing is the victory over the darkness in that moment, right. not some glory, look at me. Yeah. And so the goal as we go is is not like power the goal as we go is staying rooted in jesus yeah and also like the quiet um work of being in christ that nobody will ever see like mm -hmm. what you're doing behind closed doors like your relationship with jesus and your prayer life and all those kinds of things i think that all of the power and stuff comes out of someone's deep and intimate life with jesus and that just that's well said yeah, yeah i think i think too we've responded to, or reacted to the extremes and we've seen the people who have overused that Christian authority. And there's, you know, a whole market of people that use that Christian authority for personal gain. Mm -hmm. So they lay claim to things that are yeah. prospering them. Um, we call it the prosperity gospel right. sometimes. But they, they sometimes lay claim 
to how I can stand in my authority to claim getting out of debt and how to claim, which, which sometimes is a spiritual battle, but, but other times we, we're just claiming because I want a new boat or I want something new. And so we're using spiritual authority for personal gain. And, and that is not the context here at all. The context is going in to the enemy's camp and redeeming people who are trapped. And we have authority to go and do that. Mm-hmm. And, and so it sounds quite different, but we react when so many people are using it poorly. Mm-hmm. And then we decide, oh, I don't think I want to be a part of those people that claim authority. Right. And I think we need to, to not be so quick to walk away from it, but let's just learn how to use it well. It's not to be used on our behalf. No. Right? That's yeah. part of the meekness. That's part of the humility. Like, it's not to be used on our behalf. It's to be used on the behalf of those who are far from God. Well, I, I wouldn't write it off totally because I think there are times in, the, in our personal life, the struggles, we feel like they're attacks of the enemy and we do take a stand against them. Of course. Uh, uh, you know, it's just that we tend to see everything as an attack of the enemy. Right. So in the same way, actually, it's it's an interesting connection because the same way that we feel people reject the gospel and it turns out they're not rejecting the gospel, they're rejecting you because you're you're being a jerk about yeah. it. or wolfy. Yeah, you're being wolfy in how you do it. In the same way, we sometimes struggle with the authority because we're using it for ourselves, but we're using it for the wrong motives. Right. Right. Uh, that's what James said. What about you as a church? You got all these fights and quarrels because you don't pray. And when you do, you're asking for things for yourself selfishly. Yeah. And so you're wondering why you have troubles. But they justified as well. We need to fight harder or we need to claim more authority of God. Well, maybe God wants you to just stop spending money you don't have and get out of debt. Right. Instead I, of claiming a fight against the demon of debt yeah. or something. Right? That reminds me when I was uh, pastoring in, in North Vancouver, there was a, a church there that was... Um, sort of on the on the word faith side of things like the name it and claim it proclamation kind of thing and uh they the pastor bragged to a, another pastor friend of mine that yeah we you know we haven't had any serious illness in our church in like whatever years and years and uh the other pastor said well that's because when someone gets sick they go to another church <laughs> because they know they're not welcome there right yeah. people yeah. people get sick and and they would leave because because all of a sudden they, they they can't be there because it they haven't you know in in this church's opinion like your authority means that you you know you'd never get sick or depressed or anything yes, like that yes yes yeah. yeah and and if you do it's because you don't have faith you don't and, have and faith all that. Or yeah. Yeah. Sinner yeah. or something yeah. i've often uh, struggled with that whole word faith movement but i'm i'm very careful to not write it off completely because it's still very powerful around the world um because at the heart of it i think there is a genuine desire to want to reclaim our authority in christ Mm -hmm. and that's not wrong i think we just need to be a little more discerning about where we use it and for what motives right yeah so um i i tend to encourage people don't don't walk away from the authority you have in Christ because you saw somebody laying hands on a big sailboat going, I claim this in the name of Jesus, you know, <laughs> which has happened. Um, but I, I, because claiming something in the name of Jesus is a good thing. If it's the right thing. If, if, it's, it's, right if thing. it's the right thing that you're claiming. Yes. Yes. I mean, we claimed a building in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And then God gave it to us seven years later. Yeah, for, yeah, for the <laughs> for, church. For sure. the church, yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, um, listen, before we move on to the next part, because I really want to talk about Satan falling from heaven like lightning or whatever. Yeah. But we're just talking casually about how, yeah, demons, yeah, we can cast out demons and stuff. So, cool. Back in the gospel times, Jesus was casting out demons. We see demons all the time. Don't really see that happening today. So, for maybe our newer listeners or people wondering about this, 
talk about demons in today's time. Like, are they still have? Is this still a thing? We believe very strongly, biblically, that demons exist. They're fallen angels that work um, together um, in an organized fashion with their leader, who we call Satan. And they are at work to bring destruction because they're angry at God and they're fighting against God and we are his image and they are fighting against us. And so we get caught up in all of this. And so these demons are active. And in some cases, we talk about how they take possession of someone. I don't think uh, we want to put fear in anyone's heart that suddenly a demon could take over you. It doesn't quite work like that. Um, I don't want to even maybe want to get into all the specifics how someone could become demon possessed, but it has happened. And in those cases, when the Bible expresses how they were cast out, but just keep in mind that the demons are at work to bring divisiveness, to bring attacks against people. And so sometimes we recognize where it's more than just the physical realities of what's around us. There's something at work here. And we sense sometimes that this is in our heart, in our spirit, we get this sense that this is demonic attacks, that the demons are stirring up something. And so we recognize, as Paul said, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in this dark world. And I think what we do is we sense that need to stand up in our authority of Christ and say, uh, Satan, you have no authority here. And we take authority against that oppression activity of, demonic, of demons in our lives. So we see that in our world, not in the form of demon possession so much in the Western culture, but we do see it in terms of his work in things like, our, I would say, our drug culture. And some of the crazy drugs that are out there and how it steals and kills our young people. And that's more than just a physical thing. I think we take a stand against the, the demonic powers that are behind this kind of thing. Well, so that's yeah. how we, in my opinion, that's how we see the activity of demons and how we need to keep taking authority against them. I, yeah, I would say that, you know, if you go back to John 10.10 10, and talking about how the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. And that really... That's that's really like demonic activity is focused solely around that, like steal, kill and destroy a, a person's wellness, a person's health, a person's whatever, um, anything to to destroy God's work, mm -hmm. God's creation. And we are we are part of God's creation. Yeah, I mean, I agree with both of you. I just. Um, yeah. But I think you're right to bring it out to the listener who maybe hasn't had a, a big understanding of demons and activities. Yeah. It could be a bit frightening at times to hear it. But yeah. uh, maybe for that sake, I think we at least boil it down to there is an enemy out there. And when you're bringing the gospel and trying to do what we're encouraging you to do, you will meet resistance from an unseen enemy, which is the demons. And uh, don't be freaked out by that because Jesus reminds us, you have authority. And gives us the assurance that those gates will not prevail yeah you know against against his kingdom so okay yeah so he says lord even the demons that the 72 return with joy saying lord even the demons submit to us in your name and then he says i watched satan fall from heaven like okay. lightning so let's tell us what that could mean yes okay first it's fascinating it's interesting there are uh depending on on what scholar you read there are different sort of different opinions on it I'll give you the two main opinions first. So, so the the first possible interpretation, and in in my opinion, probably the less likely uh, interpretation, is that it is a a word of of warning to the the seventy two that have just returned. 
Jesus, like in this interpretation, Jesus is talking about the time uh, prior to his incarnation when Satan uh, became proud and, and fell from heaven. And when the disciples come back rejoicing, he's warning them, don't be proud as a result of your successful mission like Satan was, because remember, even Satan fell like, like lightning from heaven. So that's one possible interpretation. The second interpretation, which I think is probably more likely, because the, the verb that Jesus uses is in the imperfect tense. So it literally means, I was watching, like as you were going out, I was watching Satan fall, fall like lightning. And, and it refers to something that's very sudden, like a flash of lightning, um, and very unexpected, at least unexpected to the enemy, um, this unexpected defeat of Satan. Because think of it this way, to the casual observer, there's just a few preachers going around to a few small villages and healing a, a, a few people. But this, this is actually a, a tremendous moment um, in, the, in, the, in the sort of the uh, movement of the gospel. And it's a tremendous, uh, like it's this massive gospel triumph. And it did suffer Satan a notable defeat because um, this, is the, this, is the, this is the first time that the, the power of the gospel moved not just in Jesus, but now also in his followers. And when that happens, you could, I could even picture Satan going, oh, crap. <laughs> I'm in right? trouble. I, yeah. I'm in trouble. Like, not like, just this one guy anymore. Right, and and now it's now the authority of Jesus is beginning to move out from from beyond just Jesus and into his followers, and so it's like it's this falling like lightning. Like it is, it is a huge gospel moment and and a huge defeat because it it it's pushing that authority beyond Jesus himself. I like that version. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think it, it can even have the dual role in that he did see, because he does talk about the um, don't rejoice at spirits submit to you, rejoice at your names are in the book of life. Mm -hmm. So there is a counter to Satan's downfall, which they should be careful of. However, I think the, the greater context here is spiritual warfare, which is who's going to win the day. Um, Satan's at work to blind people and to keep them, to kill and destroy. And you went out there and did damage to him. So I think it makes more yeah. sense that he's indicating, I saw the victory in the spiritual realm, what they didn't maybe even see. But Jesus is able to say, I saw behind the scenes what was going on in the spiritual realm. And you just dealt Satan a big blow. So, yes. So remember this, like at this point, Jesus... Uh, Jesus has already conquered Satan. Like I, I know in the cross and resurrection, he, he, he conquers death. But he's already conquered Satan because in Luke 4, at the temptation of Jesus, Jesus said no to Satan's temptations. Like no one had ever said no to Satan before, right? He's always successfully tempted people into sin. And so when Satan threw his worst at Jesus uh, through the temptations and Jesus said, no, uh, he conquered Satan. In the cross and resurrection, he conquered death. But now here, even Jesus's followers are getting in on the kingdom movement. Like this is a, this is a huge deal. Hmm. Makes me think like sometimes I think that the things that we're doing 
to reach people for Jesus are so small and insignificant. And it just makes me think, I wonder what's actually going on behind the scenes. I wonder if, yeah. Yeah. Well, this this what leads us into the concept of how important prayer is mm -hmm. in our work that we do. That in behind the scenes, it's not just our encounter with one person. And why even we don't get angry at someone who rejects the gospel? Because we recognize that they are in behind them is a whole spiritual army that's working hard to keep them blind and keep them from yeah. it. So mm -hmm. our answer is not to get vengeful and go, well, fine, have it your way and, and pronounce judgment on them, but rather to walk away and pray even harder, pray even more because the victory needs to be against the spiritual forces that are there. And, and uh, in this case, the seeing Satan fall from lightning, I think it's just one of those indicators that, um, like you said, Jesus made a declaration when he fought Satan and now it's about to go and the kingdom of God is expanding. Now mm -hmm. his followers are are getting this authority. Exponentially. And, yes. By and, 72. And, by the power of 72. Yeah. Which, of course, is is a throwback to Moses and the, and the 72 elders that he had, which then points us ahead to the next level, which gets into the book of Acts when he empowers people to be his witnesses with power from on high. So this is the first sign of a greater victory that's now about to march in mm -hmm. the church. Yeah. The spirit-empowered people of God who are going to go out and do damage. Yes. And this is just like a, a, yeah. a taste yeah. of what is about to come. Yeah. And, and I like, like, I like what, Jamie, you said about that. Like, uh, yeah, like it, it just, it was, it seemed non-eventful. Oh yeah, 72 people going out. But, poor guys. Yeah. No money. But but behind, like you were saying, Danny, like behind the scenes in the spiritual realm, something massive was happening. And so how many times when when we go out and we bring presence, power, proclamation, we go out with blessing, we go out, you know, pronouncing shalom, we go out humbly. Like how many times to us it seems like, oh, this is just a non-event. But there's something bigger and deeper going on behind the scenes in the spiritual realm. Like we just don't know yeah, I wish we could see. Yeah. So, uh, and, and the interesting thing, I mean, um, maybe we can wrap up uh, by, like, in this way, say, um, Jesus says, seems to say, like, these things are going to happen. Like, these, these like, rejoice that your your citizenship is in heaven. But but the, the other things that are going on here, uh, these things will happen. He, he's, he is seeming to imply that when when you're in when you're in my kingdom, these things are going to happen. Um, when you're in my kingdom, when you go out in my authority, the presence of the gospel is going to happen. The proclamation of the gospel is going to happen. The power of the gospel is going to happen. And so, maybe a, a great question just to reflect on simply is: Well, do they? Are they happening in our life? Not, not to, not to say um, that we should look uh, back, like on our life, with like shame or guilt, and say, "Oh, yeah, I'm such a terrible Christian because because these things aren't happening." Because I bet you there are things happening that seem, again, non-eventful to us, but are very significant in the in the spiritual realm. So maybe rather than looking back with woe and regret, regret, <laughs> we can look back and just affirm those times that. That yeah, there there are these things that are that are beginning to happen in our life. Yeah, I wish that uh, myself included. I wish that Christians could stand in this more, were more aware of who they were, and more equipped to walk in that in on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. In this power and proclamation and mm -hmm. presence. Presence.
I think uh, our answer is prayer. Um, just continuing to surrender in prayer to the Lord because I believe His Holy Spirit wants to empower us in this area. And so I think mm -hmm. we start on our knees with prayer. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then as we go out and we practice it, I think we get better at it, more aware of how His Spirit wants to work in us. And so, um, yeah, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a question that's meant to beat us up. Is it happening in your life? It's a challenge to say, mm -hmm. where could we step it up a bit more? Sure. And, and it, maybe yeah. it's a question that can, can uh, move us to prayer. Yeah. Because... Remember who you are. Remember who you are. But, and also remember, it's not, it's not you. It's not me. It's Jesus in us. And so when we want to see more of this, it isn't, oh, I just got to try harder. It's like, Jesus, <laughs> I need your help. Like, have your... I, I, wa I want to be this... this even though I am this clay jar, I want to be this conduit of your treasure and your power and your authority. Um, I want to go out and, and bring blessing and shalom to the, 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 the people I know and the people I meet. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe a, a good way to wrap up here would be simply for, for us to be encouraged to, maybe our sort of I, I will statement can be just to say, yeah, I, I'm, I will be more intentional I'm going to be intentional about praying for these things. Like th that's the first step. Like listener, just start praying for for these things in your life, mm -hmm. um, asking asking God for His help and uh, His empowerment in these areas because because it's there. The Spirit is in you. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Spirit is in you. He's He's there. Um, and so. Yeah. Imagine yeah. if we all walked in the full authority that we were given. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I see it this way. We start with simple prayers. Give me passion for the lost. Give me passion for people who need to come alive. Mm -hmm. And and then as we, it will start to stir us towards those people. And as we start to go towards them and we start to encounter some of these spiritual battles, it will then push us into deeper prayer, into more passionate prayer. So it starts with prayer, leads us into action, takes us into a deeper level of prayer uh, that we could never imagine. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I, God, I think God is always in the business of like stretching us, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. So just just when we think, okay, we've prayed for this thing and now we're doing it, and then we encounter these things that will drive us in deeper into prayer because it's it's too big in itself for us to handle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, that's the end of Luke ten one to twenty. It's a big journey, but it was a big a journey. lot in there for us to to govern our actions of moving forward. Yes. Okay, I feel like we've gone through a lot of content in our first, this is our, what, seventh episode? Eighth. Eighth? No, this is our ninth and tenth episode. Okay, I wonder if we can end just with a brief summary of what we've already discussed in all of these things and maybe where we're headed next. Sure, okay. So if we were to summarize the first sort of ten episodes, um, going all the way back to the beginning, uh, Jesus says that uh, his gospel is, is new wine. It's a new way of doing things, and it includes this great commission. Go and make disciples who will make disciples. And so because it's new wine, we need a new wine skin to hold it. Uh, the, the wine is non-negotiable, right? The message of the gospel, uh, the call to make disciples, uh, those are non-negotiable things. But the wine skin we hold more, more loosely. And so we started talking about this disciple-making ministry, moving away from kind of the traditional way we've done church over the last 100, 200 years, moving into this, go not to, to this going out. So 
there are, in order to uh, have this new wineskin, we have to stop with or unlearn some things. Um, the common understanding with the traditional church for the last couple hundred years is bring someone to church so the pastor can proclaim the gospel on your behalf. Bring someone to church so the church can disciple them on your behalf. But what we're saying in Luminous is, no, it's you. You go. You bring the presence, the power, the proclamation of the gospel to others. You go and make disciples. And the church, made up of you know hundreds, thousands, millions more disciple makers, billions more, will support you in that mission and celebrate the transformation that that you're bringing and the the and and that you're experiencing yourself right because we talked about this obedience based discipleship is what transforms so as we obey Christ's call to go and make disciples we ourselves will experience transformation um and and this is more like the way Jesus did it and that's the Luke 10 stuff like he he didn't say to the 72 hey go grab some people bring them to me so that I can preach another sermon on the mount to them he says, no, you go out and you start doing these things and and you just keep going until you find that person of peace and then you invest in them and then you move on and you find the next person of peace and you invest in them um, and I will be with you always and you will be going out in my authority. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to empower you. And so now we're in this place of with the 72, well, we're, we're in the going now. We, we talked a little bit about that in Luke 10, but in the next podcast, we're going to talk about some more ways that we can go and find a person of peace. Like what are some, some basically some tools. Uh, the principle, of course, is always go. And we, we don't, that's non-negotiable. But the tools that we use in the going of how to find a person of peace, we, we hold loosely. And, and sometimes we might use this tool and sometimes we might use that tool. Um, but we're going to talk about just, pra- it's going to be a little more practical uh, as opposed to theoretical that we've been going through in Luke 10. No more practical. What are some tools that I can use to to go and find the person of peace that I am called to go and find? I love it. It feels fresh and exciting and almost a paradigm shift. So Great. Yeah, look forward to the uh, next episode. Danny, any no. wise closing words from you? Yeah, no. I I'm uh, we want to encourage you guys. We want to we want to outfit you. I think of the woodworker who wants to work on a project and he's got tools all over the place, but they're usually buried in cupboards and buried in boxes. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we want to do is open some drawers, pull out some tools, put them on the table and mm-hmm. just give you a few anyways and say, yeah. when you come, as you go, here's some tools. You could just pick one of them yeah, and you could pick the one that's best for what you're dealing with right then. But we're going to lay out a few tools on the table yeah. and give you some practical instructions that will get you started. And, and, and not one of those tools will be a tract. <laughs> oh, got one? Okay. Yeah. And and just podcast as, number 109 yeah. will be on How tracks. How to slip tracks into people's purses. Yeah. And I just, as we wrap up, I just want to say my own personal words of congratulations to you, Jamie, and to you, Danny, for going through an entire podcast and not mentioning a movie. First uh, time ever. I after. resisted. Yeah. I resist. It took 10 tries, but we got there. I was going to. I was thinking of, <laughs> I was thinking of how in, in the movies, you know, there's always, the, in all the romance movies I watch, there's always the rejection that yeah. they take personally and then only find out later that he never rejected her. It was because of something else he was afraid of. And then oh. when she realizes that he really does love her, 
and uh, they they push through and try again, and it works. So that's the heart of every love but story. Listen, it's just, the story of Jesus written into everything. Yes, it's right? you know Jesus' yeah. love letter. That's what we're talking yeah, about that's here. Great. Okay, Nick is gonna throw <laughs> Nick, up here. Yeah, Nick so, is just. Um, I just I just shot this podcast in the foot. Yeah. Yeah. Next time yeah. we're gonna talk about the relationship of Die Hard one, two, and three, yes. to yes. and how that helps oh. us to go yes. and make disciples. Yes. <laughs> anyway, listeners, we're going to wrap it up here. And I just will leave you with these final words. Be a lamb, not a wolf. See you later. Bye-bye. Okay, so... He's never forgotten me anywhere, but he has... We have forgotten a child. Yep, we forgot a kid. Yeah. At, at the library. Well, when we're he, he has six library. kids... Yeah. yeah. When he has six kids and you walk away with five, it's still a pass. It's still yeah. like 83%. <laughs> My wife uh, was complaining that I don't buy her flowers. But in my defense, True. I didn't even know she sold flowers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good one.